Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Light the Tower. Your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Light it up on a Friday, Friday edition of Light the Tower on The Horn. We are live, local, and digital on The Horn app and at hornfm.com. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we just thank you so much for being a part of today's presentation. I am Jeff Howe, Horns247.com, the Longhorn Blitz podcast. Search Horns247 anywhere you get your podcasts. That's Horns247, no dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button, get every episode of the Blitz. When it drops on Tuesdays, you can also hear that show Wednesday nights here on the Horn. Or maybe it's Thursday, I don't know. There's a lot of different times Longhorn Blitz airs, but best way to get it is Subscribe to the podcast. I'm also on Twitter at Jeff Howe 247, but I'm not that interesting of a follow on the uh, on the social media platforms. Uh, I don't know if uh, our producer is that abreast, that knowledgeable, that transparent, or makes himself active on the social media platforms, but uh, he is Ty Henderson. Ty, how are you, sir? Good. And yes, I'm on Twitter at Texas Guy Ty. I do see you. Uh, hey. I've been thinking about this, and I don't know why it just occurred to me today to ask you. Do you know uh, my colleague at Horns 24-7, Hudson Standish? You ever met Hudson before? Talk I, have, to Hudson? I have not. Okay, you guys need to link up at some point because Hudson is big into, like, uh, the science of betting. Like, he'll let me know, like, I don't know, first half over-unders or money line for, like, Mac basketball games. And I'm like, that's, that's way more He's than I want to do. a big systems guy? Yeah, man. He'll uh he'll just jump on podcasts like our national guys like on the on the morning of a college football Saturday morning, they'll like invite him onto their Twitter space or whatever. He'll be like, oh yeah, I like uh you know tonight uh, Wyoming and Utah State. I mean uh, Wyoming with that first half over under of uh, twenty five. I'm really liking uh, the Cowboys in that one. Like, yeah, it sounds like we could have some good conversations. I'm like HUD. That's way too deep in the weeds for me, man. Uh, you heard Hudson Standish yesterday with Chad and Zay. You'll hear from Mike Roach, Horns 24-7 recruiting editor, coming up today uh, in the uh, second hour of the show at 11.30. We'll get with Mike and uh, get the rundown. Uh, junior Day coming up this weekend for the Longhorns. Steve Sarkeesian and company hosting some big-time 2024 prospects. So we'll get that out of the way, uh, get the latest on the A.D. Mitchell situation. We'll cover all bases. We're... I don't want to say I'm stalling a little bit, filibustering, but we're going to hear from Craig Way here any minute now, momentarily. Uh, Craig is en route to the airport to fly out to Morgantown to do the men's basketball game. Texas men on the road at West Virginia, Ames and Morgantown in the same week. Craig Craig will have been to Ames, Morgantown, Lubbock, and Waco by the time this week is over because he's got the Texas women's basketball game against Baylor on Sunday. So, yeah, how's that? How's that uh, 
that quad trip sound to you, Ty? Uh, Ames to Lubbock to Morgantown to Waco. Sounds like a lot of sad fast food dinners. <laughs> a lot of McDonald's parking lots for Craig. I don't know, man. Craig knows so many outposts either and yon. He'll he'll find something. And like the more you travel, the more you realize like which airports have depending on which airline you fly. Oh, like, me and Craig had about a twenty minute conversation about the um the Morgan, the West Virginia airport that you have to fly into, because I guess you, it's like a forty-five minute drive. Yeah, and the, how they make there's like some fingerprint system, like government building in Morgantown, where they literally have the employees every morning from Washington D.C. fly over the mountain. Oh, it's Cra- like a twenty-minute flight. Craig's gonna, Craig's gonna kill me because I can't. I think it's what is is it the Charleston airport? I think. I think he's one of them. He was talking about is like North Central Regional West Virginia Airport. And I think it's the Charleston Airport, but he'll correct me here in a minute. But no, anytime I've flown into Morgantown, like I fly into Pittsburgh, which being a Cowboys fan and having to see that statue of the, now the late Franco Harris catching the immaculate reception, I'm like oh, still uh, still celebrating incomplete passes in this town. That's that's nice. What's your take on that one? place? Yeah, just. Uh, you don't see a good camera angle of it, but uh, no. Actually, and you know what? If we want to get Craig's opinion on uh, the airport, the select airport in uh, in and around Morgantown, other than Craig and I have been in together in Pittsburgh International Airport. Uh, I think that was maybe on the last football trip to Morgantown. But I digress. Whenever it was, here he is joining us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. He is the voice of the Longhorns, my co-host, uh, Craig Way. Craig, uh, where are you? Are you en route to the airport? Do you have your broadcast charts with you in hand? Uh, yes and yes. Nice. I, am. Um, I I had to wait on, you know, the, the, the little uh, trade little information, you know, for folks, because I get a lot of questions folks ask me about the broadcast charts. And uh, I started posting pictures like of the football ones back a, uh, a few years ago because the radio station asked me to do it. And the radio network, they, they like the fact that, you know, hey, you know, give them a little look at how the sausage is made and all that kind of stuff. And so it did. And and so uh, these broadcast charts, I have them for football, I have them for basketball, and I have them for baseball. Baseball and basketball are different from football in that I'm scoring the game as I go, as opposed to the football ones and get them hard laminated and all that. And that was another long story about rain blowing in sideways the window back in Central Florida in 2007. I said I'll never do that again. So I made sure I've got a you know hard lamination on them. But in getting the charts printed, sometimes. You're waiting. You're you're waiting. Even though you sent it in, I sent both of my stuff in yesterday. And normally, this place is pretty quick about it. A little sluggish, so uh, they had not done it. It was not ready this morning. I was a little surprised, so I had to wait there for a bit. But, but anyway, got it. All done. Now, to your questions about the airports. Yes. The deal with West Virginia, uh, and Ty was pretty much spot on with what he was relaying, they don't really have a full-on big-time airport in Morgantown. They have a small one, but the biggest problem they have is real estate because of the mountains. So larger jets cannot land there. Small planes can. I did one time with the Texas women's basketball team. This has probably been almost 10 years ago. We flew in once on uh, uh, one of those turboprops that you could set down in there and I'll white knuckle you a little bit uh, when you're sitting down on top of a mountain like that. But but for the size now for both men and women's basketball, it's just that airport is just not, the, the runway's not long enough. Stillwater had the same problem. 
for years before they expanded it. So where the charters actually fly into is a little airport 38 miles south of Morgantown. It's in a little tiny little community called Bridgeport. The nearest city of any size is Clarksburg. And and I know folks may have heard of Clarksburg. Clarksburg, yes, that's what, uh, not Charleston. Clarksburg is what I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah, Charleston's yeah Charleston's 150 miles away, uh, downstate. So it's it Clarksburg, but uh, the airport is outside of that town, and near a little community called Bridgeport. And I asked Tony Carini, the West Virginia play-by-play voice, when Texas and West Virginia first got in the Big 12. This was going together when West Virginia came in in 2013. I said, I, I got to ask you this. How is it that the third largest city in the state, Morgantown, with the largest land-grant institution in the state, WVU, doesn't have an airport that can serve as it charters, yet there's this tiny little airport, uh, kind of run-down looking thing, 40 miles south where charter jets fly into it. He said, well... Um, the Morgantown issue is because of the, like I said, the mountains and not having enough landing space. The thing down in uh, Bridgeport is, several years ago, and Ty was on to this when he was talking about the National Fingerprinting Bureau of the United States government needed to expand and needed a whole new building. Well, they were inside the Beltway, I think near the Pentagon or whatever, uh, back several years ago, and they didn't. They didn't have a building that was uh, the space that they could that they could uh, you know uh, go ahead and buy and then build a new fingerprinting bureau. So they couldn't do that. Well, they they were approached by a group, I guess, from the Chamber of Commerce or whatever, from Clarksburg, West Virginia, and they said, "Why don't you put it here?" And they said, "Well, we got to have our people close to D.C." They said, "You are close to D.C. You're 20 minutes over the mountain." They said, what are you suggesting? Why don't you just fly them in every day? And they said, do you have an airport? And they said, we've got an airport, but we'll, we'll, we'll gussy it up. So they extended the runway to about 8,000 feet. And it's this dinky little airport called North Central West Virginia Regional Airport. And every day, I don't know if it's 50 or 100, there's a group of employees from Washington, D.C., who fly 20 minutes over to the mountains, they land there, they go into Clarksburg, they do their fingerprinting bureau work, and then they get back home and they're back in time for dinner. Your tax dollars at work. So that's, and so as a result of that, that's the closest airport of any real size for charter planes to go into. They do have a couple little commuter airlines that go in there as well. I think Allegiant goes in there and one other one. But Jeff, like you said, when you and I have gone in together, the easiest thing to do if you're flying commercials to go to Pittsburgh and drive the 85 miles or whatever it is. So it's kind of like driving, you know, from Austin over to College Station or up to Waco by flying into Pittsburgh. Dave Garrett, our engineer, is doing that today. He's flying in there and then driving down uh, later this afternoon. So that's the long and tall story of uh, the uh, charter situation with the airports in West Virginia. Craig, uh, when we look at this game against Te- with Texas taking on West Virginia, I-, I just took a glance at the the Big 12 standings after West Virginia's win over TCU, getting their first win in conference play. Uh, I don't want to say this is a must win for Texas, Craig, but given the way that things have played out with those top three teams with K-State, Kansas, and Iowa State, if you can go steal you one on the road, that would set you up really nice to before you get back and, and start getting some home games back on the schedule. 
Absolutely. It's important. You know, it's it's difficult in this league the way that we talked about the grind of the league and especially on the road. It's difficult, I think, and I think the coaches would agree, to point to any one game on the schedule and say, there's a road win we can get. There's a road win we should have. Right. Here's an example. Jeff, who is sitting right now on the bottom of the Big 12 Conference standings in men's basketball? Uh, that would be the Texas Tech Red Raiders, Craig. Now, would you look at Texas Tech and say, oh, there's a road win. They want to they want a conference road game, knowing what it's like. No chance in Hades. To to, I mean, it was, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was hostile the other night when the women were there. So, uh, you know, it's it, – it, so my point is it's difficult to look at any road game and say, that's one we got to get. Oh, yeah, I can't let that one get away from you. Yet, you have to try to find a way to win some games on the road. And to your point, West Virginia might be the one that might be a little more vulnerable. Having said all that, Kathy Harston, my broadcast partner on the women's game, made a great point the other night. She goes, oh, yeah, West Virginia finally gets a conference win. Big emotional lift. They beat 14th right TCU just in time for the Longhorns to come to town. You know, that's just the way it way it works. You know this, Jeff, from studying it, guy who's probably playing as well as just about anybody for them right now is Trey Mitchell, mm-hmm. the former Longhorn. I talked with Rodney Terry about it last night at Longhorn Weekly, and, and you'll hear him talk about it in the afternoon reports, the, the Craig Way reports this afternoon, about how Trey he believes – he said Trey was always a good player. He was a good player for us, but he said, I think he's playing a lot freer and looser now. He puts so much pressure on himself, undue pressure. I mean, the coaches would tell him, relax, it's okay. We've got a lot of guys around you. He puts so much internal pressure on himself, and ultimately that's why he said he needed a mental break from things, and that's why he ended up you know, checking out on the Longhorns uh, the last year, I remember we were in Norman, Oklahoma at the time, and said, where's Trey? He didn't make the trip. Uh, he's he's dealing with personal issues. Well, he ended up dealing with personal issues and transferring, going into the portal, transferring out of the portal, and transferring to West Virginia. And if you know anything about Trey, he's from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So it's not that far from home for him, even though he started his collegiate career at UMass. But he's done a really good job. And the, the, the other guys that Rodney Terry really has – concerns about. Kadrian Johnson, he knows really well, the, the uh, grad student uh, from South Oak Cliff uh, from Dallas who actually played at Temple College to start off with. So he's, uh, that's a guy who gives you, and Eric Stevenson can all of a sudden get hot and hit three-pointers. So they got plenty of things to concern them, even within the context of what we're saying about how you look at games on the schedule. And, yeah, it's kind of an important one. You really would like to get that one because you don't know if you're going to be able to get wins in Lawrence or Manhattan or Waco, you know, it's it's tough. But you look at some places and say you really need to try to get a win if you can there. Craig, I know, I know Tony Carini's a friend. I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to him about kind of the state of affairs over there, but th- there's two things that stand out to me. One, it's kind of the uneasiness. You know, Bob Huggins uh, fired Larry Harrison, and thank you, John in the Bay, for uh, pointing that out on the text line. Fires Larry Harrison. DeMar Johnson, who played for him at Cincinnati, was, I think, director of player development for the Bearcats. He's now on that West Virginia staff, so there's uneasiness there. But, Craig, I'm looking at West Virginia's schedule, and you look at their losses. Neutral site, lost to Purdue, lost at Xavier, at K-State, at Oklahoma State, at Oklahoma, and then your home losses are Kansas and Baylor. Find me a bad loss in there somewhere. 
Yeah, they, you know, their schedule and the way the way that they're scheduled in the Big 12 is different than anybody else in the league, and we know why. It's because they're way the heck out there. Yeah. So the the conference tries, whenever possible, to set them up to do what you see a lot of uh, mid majors do, and they go like Thursday, Saturday, like saying. Conference USA, Rice or UTEP or UTSA or North Texas, they'll play a Thursday night game on the road, travel to another spot, a Saturday afternoon. Uh, SEC used to do a lot of that. And Thursday, Saturday. Well, they don't do that in the Big 12 because their games are all over the map because of television. You know, they're on big Mondays. Tuesdays have really become big in uh, the last two, three years. Wednesday games are a standard, and then Saturdays. So, uh, you know, they're, they're scattered all over the calendar except in the case of West Virginia. They tried to help out the Mountaineers with travel, like when they started off with those games at K-State and Oklahoma State. That was a Saturday-Monday yep. during the holiday. So, you know, they try to help them out whenever they can on that. So, But that doesn't mean that the road doesn't take its toll on you. And like you said, find a bad loss out there. I don't think you can. Uh, I mean, like we saw what Oklahoma State did to OU the other night. This league – is a, is a meat grinder, no doubt about it. And if you're at, traveling the way they do, it, it adds a wrinkle to it. Now, they'll get home and get to stay home for, say, a week to 10 days at a time, and that helps, so maybe that's an equalizer. But just travel in this league generally, overall for any school, is going to be a challenge. You mentioned Longhorn Weekly. Uh, Longhorn Weekly with Rodney Terry has returned, so getting some perspective on men's basketball. Craig, and talking to RT, what are maybe the one or two things or, or a big sticking point for him coming out of the Iowa State game going into tomorrow that have been points of emphasis or something that he really felt like needed to get fixed leaving Ames? Number one at the top of the list, taking care of the basketball. Figured, he, he, yep. He did not – yeah. You think about it, Jeff. Texas was, was up 11 in that first half. You know, Dylan Mitchell uh, – you know, dirty play undercut notwithstanding. I mean, they were still 11 at 38-27 in the first half, uh, or 20-17. Anyway, they, they they struggled to take care of the basketball after that, made some unforced errors, made some forced errors. There were some good trapping points done by Iowa State, and uh, there, there were a couple of times. I, I know people look at the stat sheet and they say, well, Marcus Carr, you know, he, he had four turnovers in the game. You know what three of those turnovers were? Nobody came to help out, but he got trapped in a corner. I was trying to get rid of it. Had to use a timeout once as a result of that. You know, there's there's turnovers and then there's turnovers. And uh, the unforced error kind, now talk to Big Schaefer, you'll get him going on that because that really hurt the Texas women the other night in Loving was just flinging the ball all over the floor and having some, having some unforced errors and turnovers. That'll drive a coach crazy. These were more forced and give Iowa State credit for what they did trapping and with their defense as well when they went to zone. So I think two things come to mind on the offensive side, taking better care of the basketball and then also being able to execute against the zone. It's not just about sitting way back there and then launching one and hoping that it connects. You've got to be able to dribble, penetrate, kick to the shooter, uh, whether you're doing your cutting, pocket passes, or pick and roll, whatever it is you got to be better in it, and and they struggled in the pick and roll in the second half on the offensive end. Those, I think, are the things that bothered him more than anything else. Uh, I think he feels defensively they can be okay, 
and this West Virginia team at times can struggle to get an offensive rhythm going. So I think he likes what he's got defensively. Sure, you can be better, especially in the block, and, and the big bodies for Iowa State hurt a little bit the other night, but they did a good job against the big bodies for Texas Tech. So you look at each game individually as it comes, I think it's more about taking care of the ball on the offensive end, creating a better look with higher percentage shots and, and, and running your offense more smoothly and efficiently out of the pick and roll. Yeah, I think it's uh, attacking the gaps in the zone defense is one way to do that. And, and they're, I mean, yep. everybody's better when your guards are playing downhill, especially Texas. But to your point, Craig, on the turnovers, I just went back and pulled up the, uh, the play-by-play for the game the other night. Uh, they didn't have their first turnover in the first half until the 11-08 mark. How about eight turnovers in about 11 minutes there in the first half? It was a rash. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, it was like, where'd this come from? And and some of it came from what Iowa State was doing defensively. But some of it was guys weren't cutting enough to the ball to get there in time to help out. That was the point that was emphasized by Rodney, and that's what that's what he talked about last night on Longhorn Weekly. We had a great crowd, by the way, out at nice. Lunkers last night. Students out there. A lot of fun uh, there. So we're, we've got Thursday shows with Rodney through the uh, end of the regular season here. So that's, that's an awful lot of fun. Did you get you some wings while you were out there? I took I, I, I took home a uh, buffalo chicken salad. All right. Hey. It, 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 you're a big salad yeah. guy there. Nobody right? needs to knock the uh, knock the salad of Pluckers. I get the, uh, the big, huge – I'm like Elaine from Seinfeld. I get the big salad, the big garden salad. With the lemon pepper chicken chopped yeah. up in it and thrown in there, it's good stuff. The uh, yep. was that bell yep. pepper dressing they got the bell pepper, red bell pepper dressing. I forget what yep. it's called. It's goodness. I could drink a whole yeah, cup. I took of home that a couple. Of, I took home one salad for me and one for the birthday girl. She's or happy birthday today to my uh, to to my beloved. Happy uh, birthday, Linda. Uh, Linda. Yeah. So she uh, she she wanted a salad, so we got her a salad. And I, and I got one of my own. So we were we were salading last night. <laughs> nice. Well, Craig, I'm sure you won't have a problem finding an eatery or some outpost to uh, to dine on while you're in and around the greater Morgantown area. It's Texas and West Virginia. You can hear it tomorrow here on the Horn and across the Austin Radio Network, 4.30 with the pregame, 5 o'clock with the tip. It's Craig and Eddie on the call. From We're still going WVU Coliseum, Craig. They haven't sold the naming rights to that deal yet. Have not. It's it's still a big old, big old uh, old concrete oval arena. It's pretty cool. The house that Jerry West uh, you know, built. Can I call it that? You could, yeah, absolutely. There's a big statue of Jerry out front. As so, there yeah, should you be. Could, you could definitely and, and him and Hot Rod Hunley. <laughs> they do both of them. So you you could you could uh, you could definitely do that. But you know what? Uh, you know, I'll be with the team. And there's an Italian place, a really good one that they'll go to for dinner. But tomorrow morning, I might skip breakfast with the team, and Dave and I may go over to Tudor's Biscuit World just so I can get one of those biscuits as big as a truck tire called the Politician, which is egg and cheese and a big, fat hunk of bologna. That's the Politician. <laughs> so I may, I, may, I may offer that tomorrow morning. Nice. Hey, where's the Kevin Pitsnoggle statue out there, by the way? I've not seen that. Okay. I've not seen the Pittsnoggle statue. Maybe if Kenton Polino hadn't hit the, the, the three for the win <laughs> uh, in 06 in Atlanta, maybe they would have gone with a Pittsnoggle statue afterwards because he had just hit the shot to tie the score 
then Paulino came down and knocked down the three. Yeah, retire the number or something. Oh. There, needs, there needs to be some pit snoggle recognition. Craig, uh, safe, <laughs> safe travels, and uh, we'll talk to you when you get back. Sounds good, Jeff. Ty, have a good weekend. There he is. My co-host, the voice of the Longhorns, Craig Way, on his way to Morgantown for the Texas men's game tomorrow. All right, take a break, come back, continue with uh, hour number one on a Friday edition of Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Thanks to Craig for calling in on his way to the airport, getting ready to fly out with the men's basketball team to go to Morgantown. Ty, you ever been to Morgantown? I have not. I've been to Morgantown. Have you been to Pittsburgh? I've not been to Pittsburgh either. Where in, have you been anywhere on the East Coast? Washington D.C., New York City, okay. South Carolina. Okay. Where where about in South Carolina? Um, I've been to Charleston, and then I can't remember the name of the island, but it's the one. Like across <laughs> the one uh, ferry trip from from Charleston. Yeah. Went to Myrtle Beach for Craig's wedding. That was that was nice. It's fun. I hear uh, the uh, that's a good party party place. Myrtle Ball, Beach, Ball Town. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's kind of like you know, Des- the Destin area gets the the nickname the Redneck Riviera. But to me, that's really more what kind of what Myrtle Beach is. I found Destin to be a little more. Uh, Upscale is not the right word, but maybe a little more, a little classier, maybe a little cleaner than Myrtle Beach was. Myrtle Beach wasn't bad. Is Myrtle Beach comparable to like South Padre? Same vibe. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Okay, yeah. Yeah, kind of. I prefer, not just because of the drive, I'd prefer Port Aransas over... South Padre. Yeah, I'm, I'm that way as well. I don't know. It's like once you get on the island, it just feels like you feel like you're disconnected from everything. Well, I never realized that South Padre is what, like seven hours away from yeah, here? Yeah, it's a, it's a hike from here. Yeah, I think it's about seven. Six and a half or what, seven. What, Porte is three? Uh, you can do, uh, well, now that I live in San Yeah, you can do Port eight, two and a half. And depending on where you go, like, if you, I mean, if you get on 37 south of San Antonio, you, you can. Eighty the whole way. It's it's nice. You can be down there pretty quick. Uh, Jeff Altai Henderson. This is uh, Light the Tower on the Horn Live, local and digital on the Horn app, and at hornfm.com. Quick, quick programming note: uh, Mike Roach usually joins us on Friday. Mike's uh, wrapped up in a few things, so won't be able to join us. But we'll still run everything down uh, in the second hour. Talk a little recruiting. Get you uh, ready for uh, 
Texas Junior Day coming up tomorrow. Big, big day for Sark and company. Like we've said all week, man, the 2023 class outside of Deuce Robinson, it's pretty much done for Texas outside of transfer portal stuff. So they've already shifted focus to the class of 2024. But right now, let's go ahead and get to this hour's edition of the Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. It is a Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock. Bowersockteam.com. She is your home loan expert. Let Aaron do for you what she did for Craig and Linda when they made the move to Georgetown. Very easy, seamless process. No hassle. Uh, Craig has nothing but good things to say about the way things went with Aaron Bowersock. Bowersockteam.com. She is your home loan expert. All right. The big news yesterday, A.D. Mitchell, the Georgia wide receiver, hit the transfer portal. Uh, We confirmed. uh, I believe it was Inside Texas that reported it first. Uh, A couple other houses, but we did confirm A.D. Mitchell was on campus yesterday. Uh, I think it's a formality at this point that he'll be joining the Longhorns. Uh, It was said that if he hit the portal, Texas was going to be the most likely destination. Maybe USC gets involved in there, but there's some family things that are – he's originally from Missouri City. There's some family things that that are bringing him back to Texas. So it looks like a formality at this point that A.D. Mitchell is going to join the class. And, you know – he played more snaps than any other Georgia receiver as a freshman in 2021. Uh, 29 receptions, 426 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, ankle injury this year kind of derailed it, but I think anybody that watched Georgia saw towards the end of the year played really, really well for the Bulldogs. Uh, three catches for 43 yards, and uh, he had the game winner in the CFP semifinal in the Peach Bowl against Ohio State. Uh, came on a 10-yard pass from Stetson Bennett uh, to give uh, give Georgia that one-point lead with 54 seconds to go. Ty, you remember that play, right? The uh, the touchdown, that Stetson Bennett touchdown pass, A.D. Mitchell at the end of the uh, Ohio State game, and the, yeah. the Buckeyes couldn't make that field goal. Yeah, So A.D. Mitchell's a big-time player. And again, uh, I've been talking all week. And you know what? Stoner mentioned this on the Specs text line yesterday. I think it's worth, I don't want to harp too much on the receiver position because I ran down those unsavory numbers yesterday. But Stoner was asking me, hey, weren't, weren't you down on the receivers coming into the year? Not as down as I was going into 2021. I felt like, you know, losing Sam Ellinger and breaking in a new quarterback uh, and just looking at how much things had changed. Uh, you know, the fact that Jake's whatever I predicted initially for that 2021 group, Jake Smith was a part of that group. Uh, so all those things contributed to, you know, I, I really thought just they. And we saw pretty much with the exception of pretty much with the exception of Brennan Eagles at times and Joshua Moore at times, that Texas group in, in 2020 really struggled to get separation. And that was a big point of emphasis that I know I talked about it. Rod Babers talked a lot about it. Uh, we talked a lot about it here on the station on the Longhorn Blitz podcast, wrote about it at Horns 24-7. I just felt like, you know, I just I don't know. I was confident in Sark's offense, but just felt like that group didn't have any game breakers to it. And I think that played out to to a great extent in 2021, with the exception of Xavier Worthy, who you know I don't think anybody anticipated him having as big of a year, as impactful of a true freshman season as he had. So it was more 2021 that I was down on the receivers as opposed to coming into 2022. But the Isaiah Nayer injury, you know, Ty, I don't know how you looked at it. That's kind of the X factor to me because so much was expected of him. And my man Matt Butler made a great point on one of our recent Blitz podcasts. When you look at the role Isaiah Nayer was going to play as a guy who can stretch the field, beat a defense over the top, get vertical, you're down the field shot guy, make contested catches. Once he was out of the mix, now you had to pigeonhole Xavier Worthy into that role. And I think we all saw it play out. That's not really what he's best at doing. Can he be a vertical guy? Yes, but you really want him 
you know, in the short, short to intermediate passing game, making plays where he can catch the ball in space, make yards after the catch, make people miss, use his speed, use his elusiveness, use that short area quickness he's got, and and make a make a guy miss and get vertical and yards after the catch is his big thing, not necessarily catching contested shots down the field. So maybe if the AD Mitchell thing comes through. If Isaiah Nayer comes back off the injury, I know these are some big ifs. If the A.D. Mitchell thing comes true, comes through, if Isaiah Nayer is good coming back off the injury, you know you get Jordan Whittington back. You can now use Xavier Worthy uh, a little more liberally, for lack of a better term, I guess you could say, in terms of doing more things with him rather than just being the vertical shot guy. I, I think if you're Sark, you can – and, and to, to Matt's point on the Blitz podcast, and I agreed with him 100%, Xavier Worthy was probably impacted more than anybody else by the Isaiah Nayer injury just because of what it did to him within the flow of the offense. It changed his role more than it changed anybody else's. So if he can settle back into being that guy that you can move around and use more as a chess piece than just, hey, run a nine route and see if you can go catch a football down the field, I think he'll be more effective. I think you'll see a better Xavier Worthy in 2023. And I – you know, I'm I'm not ready to to go all in and say this does need to be an offense that's uh, focused 100 percent on positionless football, but it's it's not a bad thing for Sark to do more of that because now you're going to have the pieces, especially with you know Keelan Robinson, Jordan Whittington, and Xavier Worthy. To me, those are the three pieces that you can move those guys around. You can line up in a, in a 21 personnel grouping or an 11 personnel grouping, and with Jatavian Sanders, you can shift things around. Not all that different. Ty, than what we see the 49ers do, right? Dan Orlovsky, I, I know we talk about the 49ers a lot on Longhorn Blitz because of the relationship that Rod has with Kyle Shanahan, but I saw Dan Orlovsky do a great breakdown of, he was looking at the 49ers, their 21 personnel package, and between Christian McCaffrey, Kyle Juszczyk, uh, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle, you can line up in 21 personnel you can go with an empty backfield. You can go with two backs. You can go with one back. You can go doubles. You can go three by one. There's so many different looks you can show because of the versatility of your pieces on the field. I think Texas, like I said, I don't think the offense needs to do that, and I don't think Sark will just go all in on that. But I think maximizing your offense, you need to do more of that because it's the unknown right now. We don't know. And to an extent, we don't really know what Isaiah Nayer can do yet, but more of your proven commodities are in the passing game with Worthy, Whittington, Jatavian Sanders, and even some of those young guys that we saw flash a little bit last year, Casey Kane, Savion Red, uh, and Brendan Thompson. They are more known commodities than what you've got at running back. You can say we've seen some stuff from Jonathan Brooks, but we haven't seen him really be, get a chance to be the guy. Cedric Baxter is going to get a chance uh, to get himself in the mix this spring. Uh, you know, Once we get through winter conditioning and Texas gets to spring football, we'll see a little bit about what Cedric Baxter can do. And running back, I say this all the time, man, running back is one of those positions. The best Texas running backs that I've seen, that I've heard about, that I've covered in, in, in my time around this program – they typically make a really big impact right off the bat. Like you, you start hearing buzz in camp about how those guys are doing. You think about, I think back to you know Cedric Benson when he got on campus as a freshman. Jamal Charles was the same way. Uh, think about Malcolm Brown and Joe Bergeron when they were freshmen. Jonathan Gray, the same thing. Uh, you know, obviously with Bijan, Deontay Foreman was one. I remember Casey Studdard telling me about going out to practice and saying, "Hey, you know, the 33 kid, he's got something." And lo and behold, Deontay Foreman left Texas as a 2000 yard rusher in the Doak Walker award winner so if you start hearing really positive reports about Cedric Baxter during the spring 
you could probably take it to the bank that he's going to re- be a really significant part of the rotation. And I think I'd like to see Jonathan Brooks get his shots too because when they've given him the ball, he's done really well. He's made things happen. He's maximized runs. Uh, and you're going to need to continue to do that because the thing I say about Bijan and Roshan in different ways, they erased a lot of mistakes. You know, If you were wrong up front, if you got something wrong in a blocking scheme, they could make you right. Bijan with his elusiveness and Rojo with just his power, his ability to get downhill. So as you start to figure out what you've got at running back, I think the advantage you have to show a defense multiple looks with the personnel you've got in the pass game, I think that can only help you. So I say all that to go back to the original point that A.D. Mitchell is on campus, and again, it seems like a formality at this point uh, that he'll be a part of the Texas program at some point in the near future, but we'll wait and see for something official to come down on that. And tell you what, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll, we'll hit some of this, uh, some more stuff that we've got posted. If you need some more details on A.D. Mitchell, uh, and I encourage you to get over to Horns 24-7 and check out the insider piece that's got uh, Chip Brown's byline on it. I think that's our lead story right now. Uh, I'll also share some insider tidbits coming up in, in hour number two. We'll get to some more in the Longhorn Notebook. We need to take a break right now. Coming up next, as we do each and every Friday, Inconceivable will close out hour number one. We're going to grab that low-hanging fruit from the Sunshine State. We'll go down to Florida here. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. All right. Got a couple of details. Got one story I actually want to get to before we get to uh, some Florida stuff. Ty, are you... uh, Real quick, we're, by the way, I, I promised yesterday that we would bring back Hobby Friday, at least for one Friday, and Ty and I are going to rip some football cards coming up at the top of hour number two. Uh, Ty, have you heard about this uh, controversy surrounding the uh, the Babe Ruth Topps Definitive card? I have not heard about that one. All right. Actually, it was, uh, I can't recall if it was Definitive or Luminaries. Basically, there is a, uh, yes, Topps Luminaries. So it's one of Topps's big baseball releases of the year really really high-end product and one of the chase cards in there was a one-of-one babe ruth cut autograph now this card has been pulled had been sold for seventeen thousand five hundred dollars one problem with this card many babe ruth autograph experts have looked at this card and they can tell right away that's not a legitimate authentic babe ruth autograph it looks like a secretarial autograph so the secretary. It is a sign. secretarial signature. So how, how does it get to that point where it's hard? It's on the card, and they're figuring it out now. Somebody at Tops didn't do their homework. Quality control. Or at Fanatics, I guess. Yeah, didn't do their homework. So yeah, somebody forked over seventeen five for a Babe Ruth cut auto that was not actually signed. And you can't get that money back by the Bambino. Right? I. I would guess, Tyrus, we're going to litigation on this one, or Topps needs to make it right or something. I don't know. But, again, it's why I don't deal in high-end stuff. I, I like my, like it cheap. That's just fine with me. All right, Ty, I'm going to give you producer's choice here. Uh, do you want Snake almost getting on a plane? We might have done that story this week, but I don't really remember if we did or not. Uh, you want Snake getting on a plane? At, you want a case of necrophilia? Or yoga instructor injured by an iguana. Where do you want to? St- can we start with the uh, the corpse issue? Sure. We need a we need a palate we need a palate cleanser at the end. So be thinking uh, snake on a plane or yoga instructor injured by an iguana. 
Uh, from uh, Dateline, Escambia County. By the way, Ty, can you tell me the, mo- the two most famous residents in the sports world from Escambia County, Florida? Where is that in Florida? Pensacola. Uh, no. Roy Jones Jr. and Emmett Smith. Okay. Both from Escambia County. Just file that away if you ever need to win a bar bet or something. Uh, Florida deputies say they tracked down a man believed to have been caught. Uh, parents, if you got the kids in the car, I'll give you five seconds for earmuffs or turn the sound down. Whatever you need. Four, three, two, one. Florida deputies said they tracked down a man believed to have been caught sexually abusing a corpse. According to the Escambia County Sheriff's Office, a co-worker told deputies... He walked in on the man abusing the corpse. Employees inside the Oak Lawn Funeral Home would not speak on camera, but they said they are cooperating with the investigation. Tim Brown, not the uh, former Heisman winner, Dallas Woodrow Wilson product, Notre Dame standout. Tim Brown was not him. Tim Brown was finalizing plans for a parent's funeral when he saw deputies at the funeral home and was stunned to learn why. Quote, that does give me second thoughts. My mom was here. End quote. By the time the deputies arrived on Tuesday morning, the suspect was gone. Deputies said when they attempted to track him down, he was found near his car. Oh, boy. Dead of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Employees were not confirming whether there are cameras inside the funeral home. They would also not talk about the suspect's employment history. So, to say that is unsavory, Ty, does not do justice to the word unsavory. All right. You want snake almost getting on a plane or iguana hitting yoga instructor? Iguana yoga. All right. For 14 years, yoga instructor Anna Margaret Sanchez has taught a free community class at Legion Park in Miami's Upper East Side neighborhood. Sounds good. A free yoga class. You come out and get you get your stretch on. Uh, it started with 20 people and grew over time to the point where attendance can easily top 100. And regulars have braved hurricane watches and COVID-19 lockdowns to meet under the oak trees. On Saturday morning, Sanchez live streams the session so those who can't make it in person can participate on Instagram. The first Saturday of 2023 drew an especially large crowd. The weather was lovely, and only seven days into the new year, resolutions still glinted with potential. Trigger warning, you won't believe what happened next. The class uh, proceeded as usual for 47 minutes. Breathing exercises, upward and downward dog, warrior triangle, and seated stretching poses. As always, Sanchez concluded by instructing uh, everyone to roll on their backs, lift their hips, and begin to look inward. It was then that a series of noises, tree branches rustling, a loud thud, and gasps ensued. Guys, I think we're going to have to close the class, Sanchez can be heard saying on the Instagram live recording. I'm going to take care of someone who just got an iguana dropped on his face. That someone would be Michael, who agreed to speak uh, with the new, uh, Miami New Times on the quite understandable condition that we not publish his last name. Quote, I don't want to be the guy who got known as the guy whose face was used at an iguana land, as an iguana landing pad. As Michael tells it, one moment he relaxed on his back and with his shade hat covering his face, prepared for the final resting pose. And the next, he's in excruciating pain, bleeding and unable to open his eyes. Quote, I didn't see it coming. It felt like a sandbag hit me in the face. The first thing that went through my head was it must have been a coconut, but there were no coconut trees. Then when I thought maybe the guy next to me slugged me, but I mean, we're in a yoga class. It's so calm and peaceful. Why would he hit me? Uh, Everyone nearby had their eyes open at the fateful moment, and they were later informed Michael that his assailant was a green iguana weighing between 20 and 30 pounds. Uh, 
There's a giant quote. There's a giant iguana that is king of that freaking park. I've seen it chase squirrels. Sanchez elaborates. So Ty, how would you like that? You're just getting getting your stretch on in the park. You lay down in your back. You're ready to wrap up this nice session and get an iguana. Just jump it on your face. I think that would be a sign of me that I might need to pick up a new hobby. Have you ever been attacked by an animal, Ty? Um, a goose when I was younger it was Chase. <laughs> <laughs> a goose? How'd that work out? No, I'm not a big fan of big birds anymore. I don't know if I've ever been attacked by an animal. I mean, there's been snakes they threaten. I've been you, bitten but... by dogs. Oh, that's rough. That's rough. Never had like a, a ram or something like that charge you or anything. Never been in the wild and had to like. No, I didn't, over, I've never had to bow jackson a bear. Or anything overtake like overtake uh, the animal that most intrigues me in and around our fair burg, which is the feral hog. Never had an encounter with the feral hog. I've had some, I've been pretty close to a hog right before. You ever trapped a hog? Yeah. Seen a hog trap? Yeah. Okay. Well, you cook on a pellet grill, and everybody texted in to let me know that that kind of took away your man card. No, I have, so. a, I have a Hungarian pig I'm actually smoking this weekend. All right. So, everybody, Ty does trap hogs and does some stuff that could make up for the pellet grill incident. Just give him a break. Text in on the Specs text line, 337-3776. Let us know uh, if that's... Uh, if that's worthy of getting the man card back. All right, so last month, a woman traveling through Tampa International Airport attempted to stow her boa constrictor in her carry-on luggage, according uh, to the TSA. A TSA tweet shows the x-ray of the four-foot creature that passed through the screening machine. Uh, Passengers must navigate before getting through the gate. Uh, The reptile lit up orange, coiled up into a figure eight. Uh, I see the images. It's like hanging out next to a pair of shoes. You know what the uh, the reasoning was, Ty, for uh, the the snake trying to get passed on through the carry on luggage? No, what was it? The woman told her bo- uh, told the told guards her boa constrictor. The boa constrictor's name is Bartholomew, by the way. Don't name after Bart Simpson, perhaps. I don't know. Name Bartholomew was quote her emotional support pet. Have you seen people on planes with like unusual support like animals? Rabbits. Or, I've never seen it, but I've heard or like, stories. Or like people that have the emotional support dog, and you're like, there's no way that's an emotional support dog. Uh, yeah, the snake was her emotional support pet. Quote, our officers at Tampa International Airport didn't find this hysterical, uh, said the TSA post, uh, which explained that her airline was notified, and neither she nor Bartholomew was allowed to fly. She almost had a monkey-fighting snake on that Monday to Friday plane, but thankfully for TSA, it was not avoided. If that snake got out on my flight, I would need a new pair of pants before landing, and somebody's compensating me in some way, shape, or form for a snake getting loose on a plane. Four-foot snake, four-foot boa constrictor. Not happening, sir. Not happening uh, Not happening for me at all. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one. Hour number two coming up next here on Light the Tower. On the Horn, live, local, and digital. On the Horn app and at hornfm.com.